I'm Pastor Dave. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Fellowship. My name is Dave Denstead. And I'm excited about being able to come and kind of tie up this series, wrap up this series on community. As we've been discussing over the last several weeks, we are all in this together. So how do we as a local church fit in together so that we can reflect Jesus most effectively. And Doug has been going through this series over the last several weeks, and he's talked about the fact that we've been created to be in community, that God has created us to have harmony together. And, and as he went through, starting at Genesis, and said God, when God created everything, and he created Adam, and when he finished creating Adam, he looked at Adam, and for the first time he goes, well, this isn't good. And he said, Adam needs somebody else. And so he created Eve. And then he said, that's very good. And so Adam and Eve lived together in community. They lived together in harmony until they came upon this serpent who talked Eve into, be, into eating this fruit so she could become like God. And when that happened, God had to um, protect them because as soon as they ate, they realized that they were naked. They were ashamed. They hid from God. Their relationship with, with God was interrupted. And in order to protect them, he moved them out of the garden, and they still were in it together, but they weren't in it together anymore in perfect harmony. They were still together, but now they had to suffer the consequences of the choice that they made. And so now it was a struggle for them. And even though they were together, it was a struggle because sin and selfishness and pride became barriers to their relationship with God and their relationship with each other. And after thousands of years living like this, Jesus came so that he could bring us back into a harmony with God and with each other. Jesus died and then rose again from the dead so we could have our relationship restored both with him and with each other and be able to have the capacity to be in this thing together um, with harmony. And so we're going to wrap this all up because one of the things that Doug would, would always show us is this cross. And with the cross, what he would do is he would, he would show us that first we had to have this relationship with God, this vertical relationship with God that was so important. And if we had this relationship with God, then we could have a relationship with each other that was more in harmony. And so as we wrap up this series, I want to go into that a little bit more in depth and have us look at what does this really look like for us as a local church? How do we have a relationship with God that is so strong that as we come together as a local church, the puzzle pieces begin to fit in and people begin to see Jesus? And that's really what it's all about. That's what it's all about as we come together as a local church. And so I want us to go through those two things again. I want us to talk about the relationship that we have with God and why that's so important that as we come together as a local church, our relationship with each other reflects Jesus in a powerful way. So in order to do this, I want to go to Colossians. So let's turn together to the book of Colossians. We're going to be in the first chapter. You can get to the Gospels. Go through the Gospels, you're going to go through Acts and Romans, then you're going to go through Galatians, uh, Ephesians, Philippians, you're going to get to Colossians. We're going to cover a few different chapters, so hopefully as you're turning to it, um, you can catch up. But in Colossians 1, starting in verse 15, Paul says this, he's talking about Jesus. And so if we're going to have this relationship, this vertical relationship with Jesus, it's so important for us to know who Jesus is. And so Paul gives us an idea of who this Jesus is. He says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible. 
whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. And as I shared a few weeks ago, presidents, vice presidents, senators, house representatives, he is um, above all those things. He is the one who's in control of who's in control. So if we understand that, that's, a, that's really critical for us. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. This is the Jesus that we worship. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. This is the Jesus that we worship. This is so important for us to understand that as we come to the Lord, as we develop that relationship, that vertical relationship, we are worshiping an unbelievable God. He is the image of the invisible God. By him, all things were created, through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. All the fullness dwells in him. He reconciles all things to himself, whether on earth or in heaven. He made peace through the cross of Jesus. This is so critical. We need to understand if we are going to be a body, a community that comes together as a local church and is impactful, we need to understand one critical point. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. See, there's only one God, and I'm not him, and neither are you. And when we understand that Jesus is Lord, we can come together in, in, in humility, knowing that Jesus created us. He's the one who put all things together. He's the one who holds all things together. He is the head of the church. And when we understand who Jesus is, we can come and we can serve in a way that glorifies him. This is so powerful, powerful for us. Because here's the reality. We can say no and we can say Lord, but we can't say no Lord. So when Jesus is Lord, we just say Yes. As soon as we say no, he ceases to be Lord. So once we understand that Jesus is Lord, and not only is he Lord, but he wants to have a personal relationship with us. He wants to transform us, to change us, to create in us who we're created to be so we can be all that we're created to be. That is so important for us to understand. As we have this vertical relationship with God, the purpose of that is so he can do a work in us that is eternal. And this was the thing that made the big difference in my life. I was in college. I was playing basketball at one of the local colleges out here. was not a Christian. I knew about God. I grew up in the church. I did all the things I needed to do in the church. I had catechism, first communion. I went to confession, had confirmation. I did all those things. But I always knew that there was a God, but he was up there somewhere. And I was down here. And he was doing his thing, and I was doing my thing. And then I knew at some point we probably would meet and we'd probably have to sort things out. But I just did whatever I want, however I wanted to do. And I um, played basketball. I love sports. I also love drinking. I love getting drunk. I love carousing. I love doing a whole bunch of things. And I made no connection between God and me. It was like he did his thing, I did my thing. And I had a, a friend that was playing basketball. He wasn't actually a friend. He was on the basketball team, and we got to know each other and eventually became friends. And he invited me to go to this church retreat, which wasn't too exciting for me. I really uh, didn't enjoy church all that much. 
But he told me it would be up in the mountains, there would be fresh air, we could play basketball, we could play volleyball, there'd be really pretty girls there. And I thought, well, that can't be all bad. And so, and so I went up there. And, and for the first time in my life, I heard somebody, the guy named Chuck Miller, who was the college pastor there, talk about God in a way that was personal. And he talked about God being the, the designer of the universe and the creator of the universe, the developer of the universe. And I, and I, I realized that God wasn't just up there, but he, he actually wanted to have an impact on my life personally. And on the way home, a guy sat down and shared with several of us, and, and he used to play football for UCLA, so I know that he had integrity. And that was back when John Wooden was coaching and UCLA was actually winning um, stuff, so... Um, a lot, and he sat down and he really talked about um, how I could have a personal relationship with Christ. And he helped me understand that all the stuff I was doing, I was just, I was a sinner, just a separated from him, clueless of what was going on. And he, and he helped me understand that, that Jesus came and died to forgive me for my sins. And that I could have a relationship with him and he wanted to, he wanted to help me become a person that was more fulfilled as a basketball player, more fulfilled as a friend, more fulfilled um, potentially as a husband and as a father, and that I could live a life that had purpose and meaning and significance, and it, it transformed my life. It totally changed all that I was. And this is the truth of what Paul wants us to understand, that Jesus wants to come and make a difference in our lives, that he wants to change our life. And if you've never made that decision, I would encourage you to make that decision. We, because of the fall, are separated from God. We are sinners. We cannot live a perfect life. And in order to get to heaven, we have to be perfect. And the only way that that could happen is a price has to be paid for the penalty of our sin. And Jesus came and paid that price once and for all. And it's because of his death, the blood that he shed, the price that he paid, that I can be forgiven. And when I come before the Father, he says, why should I let you in? My only answer is Jesus died for me. Jesus paid the price. I don't deserve it. I, I can't earn it. I didn't do anything to, to deserve it. But Jesus paid the price, and he's going to say, come on in. And that can happen for you too. Just come to the Lord. Acknowledge that you're a sinner. Thank him for coming and dying and paying the price for your sin. Receive his forgiveness, and then let him be Lord of your life. Let him be the one who calls the shots. And see, the beauty of this, this answers a lot of questions. Paul answers a lot of questions that people have about God and why should I believe in God. And some of them are like this. How can I believe in a God I can't see? Well, Jesus, well Paul says he's the image of the invisible God. See, when you look at Jesus, you look at God. God is not invisible. Jesus came and showed us who God was. He showed us love. He showed us care. He showed us healing. He showed us power. He showed us power of them. Jesus was God in the flesh. How can I believe in a God who allows fill in the blank to happen, bad things to happen, people to die, all those things that we say, if, if there was really a God, all these things wouldn't happen. But Paul tells us that by him, all things were created through him and for him. See, he created us to live in harmony perfectly, and we messed it up. And I'm going to trust him who created everything and who's, who's, who's executing it for him and through him to do what's right eternally for our creation. Some say, well, how can I serve a God who won't let me do whatever I want to do? 
I mean, how come I can't live the lifestyle I want to live? How, can I, how come I can't make the choices that I want to make? Well, Paul tells us that in the, he's, a, he's from the beginning and he holds all things together. He created us exactly like he wants us and he's holding us together as we live out exactly the way he created us. And if we can trust that and know that he lives in eternity and that he, he knows what's best for us, we can allow him to be the one who, who designs us and then tells us that we should live according to his design. Some say the Christian life is so boring. You know, Paul says all the fullness dwells in him. And one of the things that we understand is that we want to live an exciting life because we want fulfillment. We want to be successful because it fulfills us. We want to be great athletes because it fulfills us. We want to have wealth because it fulfills us. And what we realize is no matter how good I get out of sport, I always want to get better because good isn't good enough. No matter how much money I make, I always want to make more money because that's not enough. No matter how famous I get, I always want to be more famous because that's not enough. No matter how much I have, I want to leave a legacy. There's more that I want to do because it's not enough. And what Paul says is that all the fullness dwells in him. And if I want to be fulfilled, it's in him, not in all the external things that I'm looking for. Some may say that how could God really love me after all the things that I've done? And Paul tells us that he reconciles all things to himself. Some people say, well, I'll turn to God as soon as I um, get my act together. And Paul says, you know, he made peace through the blood of the cross. We're never going to get our act together in a way that will make it right for us. So Paul answers a lot of the questions. See, here's the challenge for us as people. We want to create God in our image. We want God to serve us. We want to determine what God will be like so that God can do the things our way and do the things that make sense to us. And that's really not how it works because we're not eternal. We can't possibly understand what is happening from an eternal perspective. God can. God does. And because he does, he will do those things that are eternally right. We don't know them. We can't understand them. We just have to trust him that he's doing that. And then we have to yield to God because we know that God is, is in control and that Jesus is Lord. And so once we understand that, once we understand that Jesus is Lord, then we can submit to him and allow him to be the one who's in charge. And when we can do that, it allows us to be a body that can actually fit together and function in a way that reflects Christ's glory. Andrew Murray said this. My, my daughter Janelle um, had me read this book called Humility, The Beauty of Holiness, Unbelievable book, short book, but powerful. Andrew Murray um, talks about humility, and he, and he describes humility this way. He says, humility is simply the sense of entire nothingness, which comes when we see how truly God is all and in, the, in, and in which we make the way for God to be all. So he says, once we realize that God is all and then we make a way for God to be all, we really can be humble. And then he goes on, he says, when the creature realizes that this is true goodness and consents to be the vessel in which the life and glory of God are to work and exhibit themselves, he sees that humility is simply acknowledging the truth of his position as the creature and yielding to God his rightful place. That is powerful. That is good. When we realize that God is God and we are not, and we are absolutely nothing other than what God has created us to be. 
And when we do that and we realize that God can fill us and and allow us to come to the fullness of what he created us to be, we can humbly submit to him and humbly allow him to fill us and make us into the person that he wants us to be. When we try to make that of ourselves, we make a mess of it. True humility is when I let God create in me all he wants to be, and then when something happens, I just go, I know that was God because I... Everything that is in me is God. And I can truly give God the glory. So you're asking, what does this have to do with the body? What does this have to do with us living together in community as a body? Well, I'm really glad you asked because we're going to get into that right now. Paul says, as he describes Jesus, that he is also the head of the church, the head of the body, the church. So he tells us that Jesus is the head of the body, the church. And so I want us to look at what does that look like? There's a couple other places where Paul talks about the body. One of them is in Romans. And so if we, go, if we turn to Romans together, we're going to be in chapter 12. And so in Romans chapter 12, he says this. We're going to start with verse 1. Read the first eight verses. He says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. So Paul again says, first thing you need to do is have your vertical relationship correct. He says exactly the same thing that Andrew Murray says. He says, you need to understand that you are nothing. So present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Empty yourself, give yourself totally to God so that he can fill you. And he says, that's, that's the... Um, the, that's the, the, the living and holy sacrifice which is acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And then he says, horizontally, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So horizontally, don't get all puffed up. We have to realize, like Andrew Murray says, that we're empty. All that we are is because Christ did it in us. Therefore, whatever God does through us is to his glory, and that way we can walk in the will of God and know that that's, that's good and acceptable and perfect. So once we get those things right, then he says, and for, uh, for, the, for through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allowed to each a measure of, of faith. So as we come together, we have to realize that it was the grace of God that did the work in us. And therefore, we shouldn't think more highly of ourselves because it was God who did it anyway. So then he goes on, and he starts talking now about the body. And he says, For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly, And then he goes on and he talks about some of the gifts that are given to us, some of the ways that we come together as a body. And I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about the gifts. He talks about prophecy, he talks about service, he talks about um, teaching and exhortation and giving and leadership and mercy and some of those things. But the important thing I want us to understand is that we are one body. See, see, there's a bunch of us that come together. And as a bunch of us come together and we empty ourselves and we let God fill us to be who we're created to be, we fit together and people see Jesus when we come together as one body and fit together. Some of us will be teachers. Some of us will be giving. Some of us will be serving. Some of us will be prophesying. Some of us will be doing different things. But as we do those, as people submitted to Christ, 
Christ will shine and will be reflected in who we are as a body. Now, if we don't come submitted to God, if we don't come filled with him, who he created us to be, there could be all kinds of mixed messages. And we could reflect a message that could be totally different than what God has created us to be and what God wants to show the world the body of Christ is all about. See, he's the head. We're connected to him. If you ever took a head off a body, the body is basically useless. When he's the head and we submit to him and we allow him to do the work in us, it's a powerful thing that happens within this local church. And we begin to change the community. We begin to love people. We come in, we're encouraged, we're strengthened, we're equipped, and then we go out. And we come, we're a light in the midst of the community. We come back again to be strengthened, encouraged, and equipped, and we go out and we become a light. And as the Lord does that work in us, The local community is a powerful entity. So Paul talks about the fact that we're just one body and when we come together and Jesus is the head, we can submit with all humility and allow him to be the one that gets the glory and we we can see him as he is is reflected in us as a church. Then Paul talks about the body again in, in 1 Corinthians. And, he, and the Corinthian church was a very, very gifted church. And so Paul comes to the, to the Corinthians and he, he talks about the body again. And we're going to pick up in 1 Corinthians 12, starting around verse, um, verse 12. It says, For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. So again, he's reiterating that we're one body. Although we're a bunch of different members, we come together as one in Christ. For by one spirit we're all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. And we're all made to drink of one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I'm not a part of the body, is it for this reason any less a part of the body? And if the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body, which seem to be weaker, are necessary. And those members of the body, which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more, we bestow more abundant honor, and our, and our less presentable members become more presentable. Whereas our more dis- presentable members have no need of it, but God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. I mean, Paul again goes in, he talks about the body, but he talks about the body in a different context. The fact that every part of the body is important. And when we end up being people who start conforming to the world, like Paul says in Romans, we begin to place honor on those people that we deem more honorable. We place honor on those positions that we deem to be more honorable. And the reality is, as God says, I've created everybody to fit into the body perfectly, and some of the positions that we think are least honorable are the most important parts of the body. 
And there, be, there may be some of you who are going, well, I, I just don't feel like I'm all that important as a part of Grace Fellowship. I don't see where I fit in. I would encourage you, vertically get your relationship with Christ right. Make sure that God is filling you. And when you come, I promise you, God is going to use you in a powerful way to complete the image of Jesus in this church. However he uses you, however he chooses to use you, he will do it. And as we come together as, as Christ followers who are committed to submitting to him, those abilities, those gifts, those strengths that he's given us, we will be able to use those. And as they fit together, there are going to be some parts that don't seem that are, that are, that are that important or that significant, and they're going to be the parts that are the most powerful. See, right now, we're apart. Right now, because of the situations, we're online, but we're being equipped, we're being developed, we're being strengthened. We are still a body. We are still one together. And, and God is equipping us, and he's preparing us, and we are going to come together again. And when we do come together again, God is going to continue to put that puzzle together so as we come together, Jesus will be reflected in a powerful way. So again, I want to encourage you as we look at this cross that we would become a people who seriously, seriously understand how important it is for us to have a relationship with Christ that is totally submitted to him. That we understand that we are nothing apart from Jesus and that we let Jesus come and fill us and equip us. And then as we come together as a body, we're going to reflect his image more perfectly And we're going to become equipped because as we come together and Jesus works in us together and as we go out, we're going to go out as a powerful light. So I want to encourage you, renew your commitment, renew your conviction, renew your relationship with him because he is doing a wonderful work right now and he is going to be glorified as we as a body come together. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you that in your perfect plan, you have created each one of us, uniquely us, so that we could come together as a body and we could reflect the glory of Jesus. Father, I pray for each person that is listening right now, each person that's online, each person that's watching this, that you would empower them and that you would fill them to know your love, to know your grace, to know your desire to bring them to fullness in Christ, that they'd have a life that's full and significant and meaningful. And Father, that this church, this local church, would be a place where we come not to critique the service, but to reflect Jesus' love, and that you would be glorified in the midst of it. And we just pray together in Jesus' name. Amen.